What is happening, ladies and gentlemen? Gerald Valley here, and we are amped up for segment two with Sarah. And if you didn't listen to sex, uh, the first uh, 15 minutes of this show, go back and listen to it. Lady's amazing. Truly incredible. We just, we're just we just going to hit the tip of the iceberg. And if you want to hear more of that awesome opening track, because the lyrics to that song are amazing, Punch the Clock by the Scheming No Goods. Look it up. It'll, it'll be your wake up. You'll make it your alarm in the morning because it, it really uh, gets you off your ass. But anyway, I'm Gerald Valley. This is the drop in. And let's get right into it, Sarah. I want to thank you once again for spending thank time you. with us here at the NRM studios. Alan, thank you for keeping us sounding good. And, uh, you know, hopefully the light looks good. You know, my skin looks supple, oh all that God. kind of stuff. But anyway, um, so in our first segment, we talked a lot about your high school and, and some challenges. Yeah. As you moved in uh, to college where we met. Yes. What, what, at that time, what were you studying? What, what were you going to do? So I was a finance and economics major. Because I thought I was going to be an investment banker because my parents really wanted me to do something in business. And I was really actually good at economics in high school. So I was like, okay, cool. And like the first semester, I almost dropped out of college because it was not at all what I wanted to do. And, you know, there's like 400 people in a class. So then I became an art major. And I think that's why we started like hanging out more and, and being around each other more because we took similar classes and besides the student center. And I got a bachelor's of fine arts, majored in photography, and minored in painting, and then went to graduate school to become a teacher because I love you, mom and dad. But you, <laughs> they wouldn't help me pay for graduate school if I didn't become a teacher. So I went to I was an art teacher for a number of years. Grad school at Wayne State? No, I went to grad school at the School of the Art Institute of Chicago. Oh. Number one graduate school in the country at the time for art. I'm so fancy. <laughs> yeah. No, that's uh, interesting because when I was at Wayne State, you know, I went in. I'm an art guy, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm an illustrator. And my teacher told me, like, my first, I had a gr- awesome, awesome instructors. And I can't remember his name. I could see his face. And I think he was my sculpture instructor. And he's like, what are you majoring in? And I'm like, I, you know, fine art, whatever. He's like, no. He's like, he's like, you should be an industrial designer so you can pay your bills and then you can do your art all the other time. So I, I, I switched my major uh, was industrial design and uh, minor in art history because of Sybil Mintz, who we uh, talked about in the first yeah. segment. Yeah, I loved art history, too. It's, it's great. It's it's great. I actually like museum education, I think, was what I thought I was going to end up doing. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah. So but I ended up becoming a public school teacher, which was whole story. Well, we were blessed because Wayne State is in Midtown Detroit, and we have the Detroit Institute of Arts right there. We have CCS right behind the Detroit Institute of Arts. It's like, uh, I mean, so much right there where we could walk from class to the Art Institute and do a paper. For sure. And I actually was extra lucky because not only did for Wayne State did I have that experience, but the School of the Art Institute of Chicago literally is in the museum. Oh, rad. Yeah. So, like, you had would have one class in, like, the basement of the museum. You'd have to walk through the museum to walk out the building to go to one of the other buildings at the School of the Art Institute. Oh, that, that actually, that's awesome. It was amazing. I, every day I would sit in front of paintings and, like, have lunch and, like, meditate on what I was seeing. It was super cool. And as you learn, I know for me, as I kept learning some of the thought process behind some of the, the most incredible works yeah. uh, ever in history— you look at them differently. Yeah. You know, you. I would look at 
different things. It didn't matter what it was, if it was Rodin or David or or going over here and looking at Picasso or whatever. It, yeah. it was like, wow, you know, that's cool. I look at this different because I understand what the artist was going for. Maybe. For sure. And I love that part of, uh, of art history for sure. Yeah. So you get into art education. Yeah, so and- I was an art teacher pretty much on and off from – 95 until 2015 I taught like college level I've I've taught I've taught K through through college and if you could go back and pick which was your your most uh fulfilling I think high school or college high school I really love teaching high school um, college I really liked because what I taught was I was teaching elementary school teachers how to use art in their classroom. Oh, cool. And it was, yeah, so it was really cool. So I would like, I would have them create curriculums around whatever, let's say science lesson they were doing and then incorporate art into that. So like look at different artists and, um, so that the kids could learn about art and, um, and then, um, you know, use it as part of like their experiment, experiment. I keep, I keep on things science stuff, but yeah, it was, it was really, it was rad. And it's very cool. And that's so huge because, uh, you know, we discussed in in our first segment how, you know, for me, um, learning and having multiple touch points and how art could add to that, no matter if it's history, if it's, you know, just imagine, you know, you're learning it, but then you're creating it. And then, you know, you have color. And I mean, all that is is just uh, it's so rad. It gives different people an opportunity from the person who can learn from who's book smart yeah. to the person who maybe doesn't retain through that yeah. but would retain through a hands-on activity. For sure. And I think that, that my experience as a learner really, um, really was part of what my philosophy was as a teacher because I knew that learn, most learners did not learn one particular way, and I had to really move from that. So um, – I did like a whole like like started with like an authentic idea. So whatever the main idea was and then the the lessons would go from from that. So it would have a main idea, whatever the objectives were, and then it would branch out. It was pretty rad. Mm-hmm. In Chicago or back in Detroit? Both. I taught in Chicago and Detroit. Cool. And then well not in the suburbs of Detroit. But the coolest thing that happened to me, so the coolest thing that happened was I was teaching photography at Groves High School in Birmingham and my principal Kathy Hurley asked me if I wanted to teach experiential education. And I was like, well, I don't know what that, what, what is does that, that mean? The yeah. first time you said that word to me, I'm like, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I didn't either. And so she, she was amazing. So she saw that um, I did something different than other teachers, and I was always about building community. And what experiential education is, is doing a kinesthetic, physical, in-person kind of learning. Like, so you know, going to schools and, and helping, you know, teachers, but but really helping the students and then talking about that experience or doing ropes courses or, you know, doing ser- any kind of service learning projects. Like that's what experiential is. It's not just, again, that traditional learning. And she said, I can't see anyone else who would be better for doing this. And the program was starting to fall apart in Birmingham. And so she asked me to take it over. And so I had to get certified and because like I was an art teacher, right? So I was an art teacher. So I did all this certification and learned, I mean, I learned about ropes courses. Like I'm kind of afraid of heights. 
And I would have to do, like, I had to learn how to do rescues every year just in case things got. So I was, like, on top of ropes, on top of trees, different kinds of things like that, learning and doing rescues. Um, so how I usually explain experiential education in a public school setting, which most public schools do not have, is outward bound light. Because most people know what outward, it's like wilderness learning and wilderness therapy. And so I learned adventure-based counseling is what it's called. So I created these counseling-like group classes. I kept everything. Everyone was always in a circle. No one was, and I've said this so many times, like I never want to be the sage on stage. I was a part of their community. And I learned with them within the community. I might facilitate. I never refer to myself as a teacher at that point. I refer to myself as a facilitator. So I would facilitate learning for them. And then we would create the learning based on what the needs of the group was. So we would come with a con- up with a consensus of what whatever the problem was, we would have to agree as a group to do that together. It couldn't be this is the only way to solve it. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so... From 2016, 2015-16, I taught experiential ed until a year and a half ago. Uh, <laughs> every time we talk, I learn more. I learn more, and I love it. You know, the first time I think uh, you came on my show, I don't know, five, six years ago. Yeah. It, it's been a while. In each show, I'm like, man, I think, I think, you know, I wonder what's next. Like, I get excited. Like, well, we have to do another show because I keep learning about you, and it's super cool. Because ropes training is crazy, but yeah, you have to rely on other people. You have to rely on somebody else. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, it's really interesting. The hardest part was learning how to do knots because, like, I, I don't know. Like, that was just like again. I think it has something to do with being dyslexic. It was very difficult. Like, they're like, go right, go left. I'm like, too many directions. I have no idea what to do. But the act of feeling it and doing that was it. But yeah, like I had to, te- I did be able to do safety knots and and take, you know, be able to, you know, belay people. But then on top of that, again, doing rescue. So if a kid freaked out and got stuck up on a element, is what mm-hmm. we call them, mm-hmm. I would have to go up and rescue and bring them down. Wow. Right. And so that was really cool. But I mean, I got to do some of the coolest things. I did a service project where I took kids to learn about. Um, like farming in Costa Rica and like, <laughs> like it was like really amazing. So we were like doing like, you know, environmental science. And I mean, I was constantly learning and I think that's what I love so much about that job. Um, I did a communications retreat. I actually talked about it on my podcast with one of my other guests, but I would do this communication retreat with like 65 people. We would have six or seven small groups and Um, we would do large group activity and small group activities and teach kids how to really talk to each other. And it was the freaking coolest thing I could have done. And so that's, that's what I did in it. And then, you know, to become a therapist, like that, that has really taken me really to where I am now. But I mean, I miss educating, like I miss teaching and I miss being a part of large group activities and small group activities. And, you know, that from me was like some of the best stuff from teaching was just building community. You hit so many awesome like <laughs> wisdom nuggets. You know, not being the sage on stage, I think, is impactful because so many that get into a leadership role or a teaching role, um, you know, they get on stage and they're like, I'm the authority. You're the student. You're going to listen to me. You're going to do what I say. And to be part of the community. And the other thing that I think is so rad 
is you're never you never stop learning no. and you're learning right along with them yeah. not only bringing the uh, curriculum or the you you know are, are the driving force behind whatever environment you guys are going to you're still learning along the way totally and you know that that stage on stage thing is is really impactful for me um, because I think for a long time when I was teaching and I would listen to principals, that's how they wanted you to do be. They wanted like one of the issues I struggled with at my beginning of teaching was behavior management because because teacher because the principals were like, this is how you have to do it. And it wasn't authentic to me. So I was trying to be more authoritative. And I am not that way. Mm-hmm. I am very like, let's talk about this. Let's figure this out. Let's, you know, and. And I found once I actually like Birmingham was probably the best uh, teaching experience for me. Um, once I moved into Birmingham, I realized there was a much different way to to be a teacher. And um, I think that if more people had the opportunity to teach in that way, that maybe people wouldn't leave teaching. Yeah. Yeah. And then the students would get more out of it. Yeah, for you sure. Know, when I think when you can when I, for me, when I can relate to somebody, I'm much more of a sponge to take it in. When I'm being told what to do, I work, and I'm just talking about me, I work much better with suggestions versus orders. Yeah. And when I can resonate with that person, you know, I, I, I talk about my recovery often. And one of the greatest things about like AA, in my opinion, is that it's a bunch of suggestions. Yeah. Nobody's telling you what to do. And in my new book, DIFY, I did the same thing. Yeah. It's suggestions. It's not telling somebody what to do and also offering examples that they can resonate. And when they know you, you've been through it and you're not just textbook trained to talk about it I think that's impactful as well totally and and you know you brought up a a point there about like suggestions when I would have kids do different kinds of activities they're always suggestions you are never made to do something so if you're in a class and you you don't want to um you know go on a, a high ropes element that's fine you have to just let the group know why and maybe we can help you through it but we're not going to ever force anyone to do anything that they want to do. And I, for me, that was like, whoa, with teaching. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, experiential education is amazing. I wish there was more of it in this world. There is not enough of it. Um, like Birmingham has cut that program hugely. So, yeah, it stinks. Wow. Yeah, I just, it's just, it's an expensive, it's an expensive program. So, yeah, I, I, if more schools could do it, I think it would. I think it would be very impactful for our kids right now. Well, and so much of our conversations like circle back, mm-hmm. and we were in the first uh, our, our first segment. We were talking about dyslexia and how it's not cookie cutter, and you can't standardize it. And I I believe that about education. Yeah. You know, you can find some commonality, but. Each individual learns a little bit differently, and we're already to the end of the second segment. It it rocks. It rocks. Sarah, you are incredible. Thank Thank you you again so much for being here, and thank you guys. You know, without you awesome listeners and supporters, I, I, I don't know. Like, I do it for you, man. I do it for you. So hopefully you got something out of that, and I'm sure you can share it with your school board or something like that. Maybe we can make a bigger difference. Maybe we can make an impact in our in our own communities by offering different kinds of advice so that our, our, our up-and-coming generations can be the best versions of themselves possible. Let's give them that, that possibility and open those doors because we have—humans uh, are incredible. 
We just have to give them the okay and say, yes, you can. Here's your your uh, license to be incredible. And I think in experiential uh, teaching can do that. Absolutely. So, so Thank you, G. Oh, thank you. And thank you guys again, man. We'll be uh, back for another segment with Sarah Rossington Kretzky. Kretzky Rossington, whatever, with Sarah. <laughs> Why don't you just write Incredible Sarah on there? And that'll, that'll just cover it. So thank you, guys. We'll be right back with segment three.